The Utah Utes have an opportunity to beat the USC Trojans. How can they go about doing it? And Dalton Kincaid was snubbed from a major award. We got to talk about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Sling TV. This episode of Locked On Utes is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Utes and the Trojans right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. My name is JT Wister, so former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about how the Utes are going to try to go about getting a win against currently one of the top four teams in the country. And in order to help me do that is... The host of Locked On Pac-12, Spencer McLaughlin. Spencer, appreciate you joining us with the Pac-12 logo in the background. In all, yes, of- indeed, yes, yeah. indeed. We're we're official. We're official now. I was I was an unofficial part-time host of Locked On Pac-12 before, but now that 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 flag is there, is representative. Good to be back with you as always, my guy. I appreciate you coming on. And we're going to talk a little bit about the conference because I think the Dalton Kincaid, what happened with his snubbing, relates to a bigger issue the Pac-12 faces. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, just want to talk about this Utah versus USC game with the simple question, fill in the blank. So Utah will win the game if, for me, I'm going to fill it in with, if Cam Rising can be the same version of himself he was against USC last time around. I Or just somewhere even close to that, I'll say. Because with the level this Utah defense is starting to play at now, I don't expect them to get gashed like they did early on in this game. I expect the second half defense that we saw against USC that held them under 200 yards in the second half. In the first half, Utah's defense gave up over 300 yards of total offense to the Trojans. They just, especially in the first quarter, it was just ugly flat out. I think this Utah defense has gotten a lot better as of recent. And I think that if Cam Rising can be close to the version that we saw the last time around against USC, I think the Utes can pull out this upset. It's a tall task to ask for, and Cam's not 100% healthy. That's the hard part is it's how much, what percentage is he at? Is he at, he's definitely over 80 when you watch him still. Now, throws against Oregon, the one the critical fourth down one make me question that, but looked really good against Colorado. I That was the best game he's played since, I know, yeah. <laughs> that was the best game he's little played alligator, since. Little alligator, little yeah, alligator arm yeah. throw. <laughs> I think it was, I think that throw in particular was just like, a, oh my God, Gosh, he's so open. Yeah. Don't mess it up. Oh, I gotta know. mess it up. Yeah. It really I, was. It, it felt like a wide open blown layup. It was a tough. Yeah, it was. It was. Cool. It, it was a blown layup for sure. The definition um, of a get right game against Colorado, and the only yeah. I think it was two incompletions. I want to say now, um, just de- decimated the buffs. I mean, almost anyone can do that though. So a great opportunity for him here. So that's how I feel about it, Spencer. I'll ask you. Utah wins the game if they can get pressure on Caleb Williams and keep him in the pocket. The difficult thing with Caleb Williams, I think he's a Heisman Trophy winner, Agreed. whether they win this game or not. I like every single week that guy. He's Josh Allen. That's oh, that's yeah. what he is. He's smaller, but in terms of yeah, the building, importance, yeah. he is that's, yes to the offense. It mm-hmm. is Josh Allen with the Bills. If you take Josh Allen, I think Jalen Hurts falls in this category a little bit, but mm-hmm. even not as much at, at the NFLO. If you take Jalen Hurts, or, or sorry, if you take Josh Allen out of the Bills' offense, I don't think they can move the football. No, yeah, they consistently. Can't run it. No, because yeah. his arm talent is so ridiculous, and his running ability is such a feature of their offense. If you take Caleb Williams out of USC and you put in 
not any quarterback. If you put in a good quarterback, let's say Jackson Dart had never left. He's mm-hmm. at Ole Miss this year. They went eight and four. He is a good college quarterback. Pretty highly rated recruit. I believe a Utah guy. A, U- yeah. a Utah no, native. Yeah, he was. No, Corner Canyon High yeah. School out here in, uh, in yeah. Utah. Yeah, really like good quarterback. Yeah. If you put Jackson Dart on this USC team, they are nine and three. That's they a are, really good point. They, they are really they are point. nine and three. Caleb Williams is ridiculous. He is playing at the highest level for a college quarterback I have seen since probably Mariota's Heisman year, 2014-15. Like, he's not just putting up these ridiculous numbers. He's got, like, 33 touchdowns, uh, like, four interceptions. If he was doing this on Alabama, this race would have been closed months ago, it feels like. Yes, that is 100% true. And though USC's brand is very powerful, I think that point is correct and speaks to you know, the the West Coast kind of anti-bias that exists in this particular race. If he doesn't win or lose this Friday, if he doesn't win the Heisman Trophy, yeah. I mean, I've already, you know, looked down upon it more for the last several years. Who do you even get it when, to? When Because when McCaff, they give it to CJ. Yeah, they give it to CJ Stroud. I don't. That wasn't all his fault, what happened against Michigan, but there were still throws to be made, and he didn't make it. Yeah, that's not but, the main but, reason they lost that game, but he still but came up short. Even when you look at their, their seasons, they're comparable yeah. at least, and that's another good example. You could find another good, accurate quarterback that Ohio State could win games with, but Caleb Williams is so spectacular. Mm-hmm. He, he reminds me, I think, a lot of not, you know, he's playing at a Mariota Heisman level, but I think he plays more like Johnny Manziel. I think he's got better NFL traits than Manziel, but that is kind of the comp there where he is running to throw the ball, not running to run. I mean, he'll take off every now and then, but why I say you have to keep him in the pocket and get pressure on him is you got to get him off his spot. You got to get him out of rhythm. And if you do not rush with contain, like at the very least, if you're going to give him time to throw, Make him make a throw from the pocket because once he breaks contain and it's scramble drill, this guy is Russell Wilson when he was with the Seahawks, not this new crappy Denver Russell Wilson. That guy stinks, which is just inexplicable for the most part. But that is what I see when he gets outside. I'm a big Seahawks fan. When Russ used to get outside the pocket, I think this is going to work. Exactly. Every time Caleb gets outside the pocket, I don't think he's going to run. Occasionally he will for five or six yards, but the scramble drill and the athletes he's got downfield, it's lethal. That's the biggest key to me for the Utes. The amount of yards he travels behind the line of scrimmage reminds me of some of those Kyler Murray kind of games. We've seen him do that a couple of times now with the Yeah, Cardinals. I think Kyler's a solid comp too. Uh, I, I think in terms of how much time they buy in the pocket. That was yeah. All. I yeah, I, I think I think that's a fair comparison as well. I think Manziel is uh, I, I think it's that's pretty accurate. That's that's yeah. kind of what like he can make throws from the pocket, mm-hmm. but he is at his most. Well, you dangerous. can't bring him down either. That's the hard part is. No. And that is the hard part. I, I really think if you're Utah, if you're Kyle Whittingham, if you're Morgan Scali going into this game, I think you tell your guys don't try and sack him because if you do you're probably going to miss. I think that's what you're telling your defensive line. Doesn't mean you you aren't trying to sack and get him on the ground, yeah. create pressure. I, I think schematically, the only way you're going to get him on the ground is if you can get a free rusher with a corner or a linebacker from Which the second level. Last time, second half. But I think if you are going to slow him down at all and slow the USC offense down at all, I think you have to explicitly tell your defensive lineman, guys, 
I don't want you to rush with the mindset of, I need to get after the quarterback. I just need you to rush and keep him in the pocket because there are moments that, you know, Williams can still get better at where he's not giving the play a chance sometimes, or he's not getting to his second or third progression because he wants to break contain because he is so good at it and he's so dangerous out there. So if you're Utah, and you just say, rush to contain and keep him there. What you'll see a few times is he'll go to his first read. Clark Phillips takes that away. Then his eyes will come down, and he'll look for a running lane. If he doesn't have one, when he picks his eyes back up, there's nothing he can do. And he's either going to have to run all the way backwards, which is okay. You don't want him running laterally. But if he goes all the way backwards, that's tough for even for Caleb Williams to do. Or he'll stay in the pocket and have to either force a throw or throw an incompletion or just throw it away. I think that's what you have to do if you're Utah on defense. Yeah, I think it's a great point. And just putting a bow on the Heisman thing um, that you talked about, I feel like the difference, too, between Caleb and CJ is Caleb in the one loss on the season. He's literally the last guy you can blame. CJ made a lot of really good plays, but he's not the last guy to blame. He still made mistakes in that one versus Caleb in that game was absolutely sensational. A place where. Yeah, but I mean, the other thing, the award is supposed to go to the best player, the most outstanding player in college football. That is Caleb Williams. I don't care if they lose this game and their bowl game. That is Caleb Williams. There's a lot of years where we talk about like, oh, it's a quarterback award, this and that. No, no, no. The best player in college football this year is a choice. And that's the key for the Utes. 100%. Like you mentioned, especially defensively, make sure you keep him in the pocket and prevent him from having those wow Heisman moments where he breaks three tackles and then somehow makes an improbable throw to the end zone. It's going to be a challenging task for this Utah defense to do it. We're going to come back in a second and talk about something else relating to this game, one of the key cogs in it, Dalton Kincaid. But first, I want to talk to you guys about the sponsor of this episode, Bet Online. Guys, Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Get the latest odds, trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to to basketball to soccer how about team usa that was awesome to watch yes sir gosh that was good that was good that was fun big world cup guy love sports exactly if you guys love sports too you can find sports podcasts and all these things available on bet online where the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts we're going to come back in a little later and do our best big game bets but first we got to talk about something that's happened a lot, Spencer, over the last few years is a really good Pac-12 player being snubbed for something. And it just happened to Dalton Kincaid, who was left off the finalist award, the top three for the Mackey Award. And whenever you have a snub, I should say, too, you always got to pull someone off. I'm looking at Brock Bowers, obviously deserves to be on there. Michael Mayer, Notre Dame, deserves to be on there. Sam Laporta, that's the name for me, the Iowa one. I would take Sam off. And you might be thinking, well, why would you take him off? Well, because these are Dalton Kincaid's numbers. He's number two in targets, number two in receptions, number three in reception rate. These are rankings amongst FBS tight ends. Number one in receiving yards, having missed games and having been injured and in and out of games too. Number two in receiving touchdown, number one in yards after the catch, 378 yards after a catch for a tight end. That's Travis Kelsey-like numbers. Number two overall in PFF grade. I don't love PFF, but anytime you're at the top of something, you're doing something right. And that's what Dalton is. And he's number one in the PFF receiving grade out of all tight ends. I don't know how this happened, but I really think it is that West Coast bias we talked about earlier. I just feel like there's not a lot of eyes on the Pac-12 and there's even more eyes on Iowa, which I feel bad for those people that were watching Iowa instead of Utah football this season, but they want to go down with their Big Ten bias. That's totally fine. But it just happened one too many times in this conference where a great player, it's what we talked about with Caleb, the Heisman should have been a done race, but there's not as many eyes it on might it. Be. it. It might be. It, it might be because it's USC. 
but it's but just he, really unfortunate. Yeah, so I, I think I'm, I'm totally with you on, you know, the Pac-12 just doesn't have the visibility of other leagues. And I think Utah in particular, you look at their schedule this year and say, well, how many nationally televised high-profile primetime games do they play? USC, mm-hmm. UCLA. Yep. Florida. Early Florida. On. And, the Oregon and by the way, in that Florida game, Dalton Kincaid was the number two tight end to yep. Brant Keithy. So I think That's he's true. suffering from that, that a little bit as well. But like, look at the rest of the games. You know, when they played Oregon State, yeah, that's Pac-12 Network. Colorado, yeah, that's Pac-12 Network. That's, you know, you keep going down the list. Arizona State, that was Pac-12 Network as well. So the exposure just wasn't there. This is the, you know, Larry Scott TV deal coming back to, to bite you in the butt. Like, this is the quintessential example. It's probably number two overall, unless Caleb were to not win the Heisman. But the biggest example of what we're talking about right here. Like this is a microcosm and a relatively smaller thing though. Kincaid has certainly been snubbed. I'm not trying to argue that point, but Christian McCaffrey, not winning the Heisman yeah. is the is the biggest joke like that. That, that is forever going to be the biggest joke of a Heisman trophy I have ever seen. You could put, I don't know, an infinite number of running backs into that system with Alabama that year. And they would have put up amazing numbers and you could not have done that at Stanford. Nope. Christian McCaffrey was one of one, and he was setting records left, right, and center. And he, you know, got to put on a show in the Rose Bowl and clocked those uh, Iowa Hawkeyes and exposed them for the frauds that they were that year. And I was, you know, certainly pleased to see that. But it's seems like it's a trend for Iowa. It, it, yeah, it's it's an it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate reality of being in this conference that we all love so much, which I, I certainly do. But this is downside of it you know like Oregon State and USC this year was an incredible game the Beavs are a good team chance to show your your moxie against Lincoln Riley and the Trojans you played one heck of a football game should have beaten them and that game was on the Pac-12 network mm-hmm. it, it, like it's it's the unquestionable downside like I love the teams in the conference I love the the matchups the history the coach like all that sort of stuff. But I, the only thing I regret about being a born and raised Pac-12 <laughs> sports fan is that we don't have the amount of exposure that everybody else does. And this is a perfect representation of that. And part of it is that we're on the West Coast, so we naturally fill the late hour slots on TV anyway. But part of it are that the, is that the TV deal that they negotiated it's crap. It's just there's not enough early window games. There just were not. It doesn't mean you get rid of Pac-12 after dark, but the number of games that play in the early window kind of ticked up over the course of this season. You know, Oregon and Oregon State was a pretty early kick. Oregon State and Arizona State was an early kick. Which Oregon like, versus Utah was late for a matchup between that yeah. high profile of teams to kick yeah. off 30 Utah time, mountain time. Are you kidding exactly. me? Exactly. Exactly my point. And that's 1030 on the East Coast. Nobody's oh. watching that. And, you know, the USC Utah game was really, really late. Not as many people are watching Kincaid go crazy for 215 against the Trojans and or whatever it was. I don't know. It was some absurd number. Yeah. Records. It's. It's it's just an unfortunate downside of it. It's a reality we have to deal with, but it, it doesn't change the fact that Kincaid's an incredible player, yep. that he'll be an NFL guy, uh-huh. that he is a big part of what Utah does offensively and has to show up. And, you know, I get Utes fans being frustrated, all of that, but it also, I think, could work to their benefit 
put a little put a little chip on the shoulder That's for fair. Kincaid yep. and say, hmm, you didn't think I was really good? All right, well, I went for 215 yards last time, and why don't I go for 170 and two touchdowns? Do you still think I'm good? Like, am I good now? I don't think that's a bad thing for Utah. There's that uh, meme. It's escaping me right now, but it's um, basically word I'm not going to say. I'll do it again. And that's basically what Dalton Kikade is going to end up doing against USC, hopefully. And it's what he's going to have to do if the Utes are going to get a win against the Trojans. And Spencer, you mentioned it. You love this conference. It's so great. Spencer hosted Locked On Pac-12, as we talked about. Um, and one of the things that makes this conference so great is the madness. What were you thinking watching all the craziness unfold just that ended up getting the Utes in? And unfortunately, as you are the host of Locked On Ducks too, knocking the Ducks out. Do I have to answer that question? <laughs> Maybe just more so you can just the craziness. Of the no, I mean, I, it's it, it was awesome. I, I mean, rivalry week gets a lot of hype. And I certainly was, you know, on that train going into it. And it delivered across the board. Even yeah. Cal UCLA, which is not a rivalry, was a really good game. Yeah. And Utah, you Colorado. Know, the- I mean, just so many good games. <laughs> <laughs> I had a rant on my show last week about how Utah should be playing BYU, just like USC was able to play Notre Dame, but that's for another day. Yeah, I mean, they should. Utah and BYU should play every year. There's no reason that they don't. Like, that's yeah. it's advantageous for both schools. It's a great rivalry. It's a game people want to watch. Great environment, whether you're at Rice Eccles or whether you're in Provo. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. But, you know, there, there were so many different ways it could have played out. I, from a Pac 12, perspective i'm really glad we didn't have to get into the five-way tiebreaker that was possible dude i man that might have been my wits end for for hosting that show but i i I overall was i mean it was it was awesome like it, it was just so thrilling and so great and it was representative as well of what this conference can be it does make it sting a little more that USC and UCLA are leaving. Cause like I know with the state of this league right now, can you imagine if it were just going to keep being like this? I know. Yes. Chip at UCLA, Lincoln at USC, Whittingham at Utah, landing at Oregon, DeBoer at Washington, Smith at Oregon state. Like the fact that the PAC 12, this is the best season the PAC 12 yes. has had from a football perspective in terms of the strength of the top six or seven teams since about the 2012 or 2013 season. You kind of, you can kind of argue it one way or the other, but that's even before Utah was, was really, really good. But the Arizona schools were in a much better place as, as programs respectively. But the league is just so unbelievably deep. Like Washington state is the number seven team in the PAC 12 at the end of the regular season standings. Washington State is a good football team. Went in and beat Wisconsin. Went in and beat Wisconsin at Camp Randall. Very easily could have have beaten Oregon at home. Played Utah tough, as Utes fans know. Like, across the board, they kept getting better week after week after week. And they went through a tough stretch where they were playing, you know, great team after great team. And so they stacked up some losses and whatnot. But then I had a lot of faith in them coming down the stretch and they were sitting there at four and four. And I said, exactly what play out. I'm like, I think they're about to go three and one and have a chance to go four and oh. And they did. And they looked really good doing it. And they look good on both sides of the ball. When that's your number seven team. And I like Dickard as a coach. Yeah, that is an incredibly great place to be as a conference. And by the way, think about this. Yep. Arizona 
went to the big boy table and said, we're going to play Mississippi State mm-hmm. in addition to yeah. San Diego State and North Dakota State. If they had done what <clears throat> the Michigan Wolverines decided <laughs> to do, which is chicken out and schedule a bunch of cupcakes, yeah. a joke. Arizona would be a bowl eligible team this year. Mm-hmm. And you would have eight Pac-12 teams playing in a bowl game. And Arizona's defense stinks, but their offense does not. Yep. Their offense is legit. And the fact that that's the eighth team is a testament to how great a year of Pac-12 football it's been. And now Kenny Dillingham is at Arizona State. A lot of optimism there. Colorado and Stanford still have to fill their coaching vacancies. It's a great time to be a Pac-12 fan. But it's still, it does, it does have that little sting of like, man, USC and UCLA really ruined a good thing that's here. Yeah, they really did. Exactly. Um, last one quick point on the Michigan thing that you brought up just with that non-conference schedule. The reason Ohio state is still in the position they're in, in part is because of a win like Notre Dame, they had non-conference, which actually looks really good. Now, if Michigan had lost to Ohio state, I mean, they could even be behind Alabama because it's like, well, where's the really good win on there? Yes. You got Penn state, but that's, that's really it. That's where it would have been a lot harder for them to be in that position. So yeah, interesting the way it plays out with those comp with, with the scheduling and everything you mentioned. Like and that. by the way, I believe yeah. Michigan had to pay UCLA for canceling the home and home. Oh, they did. Yeah. 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 And can well, you imagine? And, 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 and by the way, the cool. biggest problem in college football, true, true. as I get on my soapbox here, is scheduling. It is not playoff expansion. The biggest problem is scheduling because of that right there, that Michigan can just cancel that home and home with UCLA. Who doesn't want to see Michigan and How UCLA? How fired up the fans were when that was announced just to know, oh, it got canceled eventually? Oh, that's Michigan and UCLA would be a great game. Yep. You'd have two good teams going at it. Conferences would have a chance to measure two really good teams against one another. And both of those teams would have an opportunity to pick up a quality win. And though I am not a playoff expansionist, I'm an anti-expansionist. In fact, the one area where I think college football really needs to change is there's got to be an overarching scheduling body that says you have to play a good, you know, do conference matchups. That's entirely de- well. Let's let's not open that can of worms. It'll take up the rest of the show. But that is the biggest issue in college football is the scheduling by far. I, I agree, and I'm someone who is for expansion, but I, the scheduling is a massive mess. And as you mentioned, we would be here another hour if we were probably going back and forth on that. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to yeah, come yeah. back in a second and close this out with some best big game bets. But first, I want to talk to you guys about the sponsor of this episode, UCCU. UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. Plus, you can jump to an even higher rate of return anytime during the life of your certificate. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but interest rates and inflation are both on the rise, as if we hadn't noticed. Well, here's some good news. UCCU can help use this current rise in rates to your advantage. For a limited time, UCCU is offering a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. What's a savings certificate? Is that like a savings account? A savings certificate is similar to a savings account. Both are great ways to earn a safe return on your money over time, but here's the difference. Savings accounts typically come with unlimited deposits and withdrawal, but a savings certificate, you just make one deposit and let your money grow and grow and grow with a fixed rate of return that's much higher than a standard savings account. How much higher? Let's just say a lot higher and leave it there. So make sure you guys head over and cash in on that limited time, 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. Visit uccu.com to learn more and get a savings certificate today. UCCU, love where you bank. 
So Spencer coming back in to talk about these best big game bets brought to you by bet online. It's not a great week of conference championships to me, but there are still some intriguing matchups that I think are fun to talk about. And the first one of those is being the American athletic championship. You get UCF taken on Tulane. What Gus Malzahn has done with UCF has been really good. It's one of those weird things where I feel like Scott Frost, you look at him and like, he's like, can I come back to UCF? And they're like, no, no, we're good. Gus is Gus is our guy. So, Looking at this line, it is an interesting one. Tulane f- favored by three and a half in this one. And mm. is they're t- I know they have the extra win. It's 10 and two versus nine and three. But I really like, like I said, I really like what Gus has been building this one. And even if they're not able to get a win, just with the way these kind of games usually play out, I feel like it's going to be a one point win, something narrow coming down to the wire. So I'll take UCF to get the points in this one. That's an intriguing matchup. Now, going into the Pac-12 championship game last year, a common narrative going into the game, I think fairly so, Yeah. Um, though we didn't know certain details that, 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 that later emerge. Yeah, me too. Okay. So I, I, I think that what uh, what what people were, were saying fairly was it's hard to beat a team twice. And Utah yeah, proved that that's okay. not always the case. However, generally speaking... If you're playing a good team, it is hard to beat mm-hmm. a team twice. Now, sure. that line opened under three, meaning the public has moved it out beyond three. That gives me some pause about taking it, but I will lean Tulane there okay. with 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 the three and a half points. So I, I, I'll, I'll go the green wave. I like it. Yeah. I mean, hey, you can't go wrong riding the green wave for sure. It's fun, fun story what they've been able to build to down there because it feels like every year you look up in two lanes in this kind of position. So a lot of credit to both the programs they got going down there. Next, Clemson taking on North Carolina. This one really lost its luster and not just because Clemson lost to South Carolina, but really North Carolina is kind of taking a I'm really glad too. it lost but its luster because Clemson is not that good of a football no, they're team. Not. They're not bad, but they're not that good. And you know who else I feel isn't that good either is UNC. So I do it's seven and a half <laughs> for Clemson. I'm going to roll with DJ Ungalele as I fumble over that name and Dabo Sweeney. They've just been in these positions before. I still feel like they take the title game. Uh, Yeah, I'm going North Carolina here because okay. seven and a half. It's a lot. That's a, right. That's one of those. That's one of those kind of pivot numbers we've talked about in, in the past when, you know, three, four, seven, 10, yep. 17, 20, 21, like. I, I, I would go North Carolina there because if DJ Uyunglele, we'll just call him DJ. Yeah. If DJ, if DJ <laughs> U is if DJ U is playing quarterback, I I can't go out there and tell you to put your money money on that on that side of things. It's if you're laying coaster. if you're laying more than a touchdown, I just good point. I've seen too much of it this year to where I'm like, mm, no, I'll take if it's over a touchdown. Yeah, North Carolina. I like it. I can definitely see it going either way. You know, one I can't really see going either way. I guess, okay, in terms of the betting, look, maybe there's a way LSU can do it. I think the Bulldogs, I just really think Georgia's going to stomp the Tigers. I think this Tigers team, everyone was all excited, everything. I think Brian Kelly's team were kind of sniffing the roses. Like, look at this turnaround first year. Then they go into Aggieland and get whipped by the most disappointing top 10 preseason team I can remember in Texas A&M. They go They're in the first and- one to ever start yeah. in the top 10 and miss a bowl game. Exactly. Just it's pretty it's- epic. It's pretty epic stuff. Yeah, it is. And I feel like just Kirby Smart, the way this team is rolling right now, just the way he has this program rolling. I feel like Stepson Bennett, Georgia defense, has a great game. I really do think Georgia wins by more than 17 and a half. Yeah, last time Georgia was favored by exactly 17 and a half, I moved that game out of my memory bank too. I'll, <laughs> I'll go with the Bulldogs here. I, I, I think they're coming out on a mission to say, you know, we may be able to lose this game and 
still get into the college football playoff, but we don't want to introduce that sort of doubt. We want to let people know that we are top dog pun, not really intended, yeah. but not unintended either. Yeah. So I, I, I think Georgia, I think Georgia is going to curb stomp them because LSU, they were like, the question in this game is motivation. Yeah. And I look at Georgia and say, they've got more to play for than LSU because yeah, LSU could win a conference championship, but they're not getting into the playoff. And I think even though with two losses, they were in a position to do that a week ago, yep. but now they've taken themselves out with, with the loss of Texas A&M. I think that leaves your locker room a little bit defeated. And I, I, I think Georgia, I think Georgia wins that game big and I'll just swallow that big heaping number of 17 and a half. It's a lot. They're going for a dynasty. And I think they know that. And they have the opportunity to really start continuing to do that by not just winning national yeah. championships, but SEC championships too. And I think this team wants to do that. We're not giving any love to Michigan Purdue. I think Michigan's going to roll them. But I, the other great game of the weekend is what's Kansas. the line on that Michigan Purdue game? 16 and a half. I, I with the way the That's world was last week, you, what would you put it at? Well, I thought it would have been closer to 20. You did? Yeah. Which means Vegas probably knows something. And I'll, I'll, okay. This is going to sound crazy. I'll go Purdue plus 16. Wow. I was because (laughs) I thought that line would be bigger than that. Yeah. And it's not, meaning Vegas might know something. Interesting. And Purdue hasn't pulled a big upset this year. Maybe they give Michigan That's, a scare. You do that every year, and then somehow they this do it year, every year, and, and now they're that, in the championship, big championship. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, divisions are divisions are stupid, but anyway. The other next, great game. What, on, what's, the, what's the next one? Yeah, the other great one on paper: Kansas State taking on TCU in this one. TCU favored by two and a half. It's tempting because TCU, when you've just been towing this line for a while, it just feels like eventually are they going to teeter off? But I really like this team. I think Max Duggan has done an outstanding job at quarterback. I love Duggan. He likes it his first season. I love Max Duggan. I will anything under anything under a field goal. Horn frogs. Yeah. Anything under a field goal. I will go horn frogs there. And I'm with you. I, I just look at it with the same mindset you have, which is, oh, well, the magic has to run out eventually. How many times are you going to say that? I know. How many times are you going to say seven and a half point underdog at Texas went outright? I, I just I'm I'm I I can't get on here and with any faith and confidence say, yeah, horn frogs are finally gonna stumble this week. No, I think they just got exactly. that magic sauce this year. Horn frogs under a field goal. Yeah. Take I'm that like, all day. I like them too. I would love even if they were able to go into the college football playoff and actually upset one of these like really good teams that were like, Oh, oh that'd be fantastic. Just because everyone's been talking about how how good they can be. But it is a skill to win close games, and it's something we see NFL teams struggle with a lot, kind of one year to the next. That's a, a big thing there. But closing out with our final one, Utah taking on USC. Look, I'm not giving an exact prediction on the game. I'm just going to say this. USC favored by three. I like the Utes. I'm just going to leave it there. Spencer, what do you see this, and who do you think is going to win the game? I might need to just, like, jump off the channel right now. <laughs> um <sighs> I'm sorry, Utes fans. I don't think it's going to be back-to-back. I think this is USC. They are not... I mean, Utah is supremely motivated in this game. The Rose Bowl is a big-time goal. It's a big-time game. And there are a lot of Pac-12 fans rooting for Utah for a bevy of reasons. But I just watched that game, and I think if it wasn't in Salt Lake City, Utah might, might not pull that out. And I I question whether or not Cam Rising can look like that. Even if he's a good version of himself, it seems like ever since that USC game, he's just not quite been in the same zone. And I look at that Utah pass rush and say, look, if they can contain Caleb Williams, get pressure on him, 
yes, they can win this game, but I just don't have any confidence in that taking place. So I, I do think USC gets it done this Saturday. Hey, you make a really good point though with you, Utah. It feels like they have kind of gotten the taste of it and they want what's more of it. I forget what uh what Paul Pierce says, you know, like that, Spencer, right? It's getting what a taste Paul of Paul Pierce. Oh, yeah. Oh gosh. I'm glad I you, forgot. Honestly, I forgot I'm glad you didn't get I'm glad you didn't get that one. <laughs> <laughs> say, Either way, just want to slip one in there. Spencer, always appreciate you coming on with us. Make sure you guys course, check man. out the Locked On Pac 12 podcast. As well as if you're looking for a second listen every day, make sure you guys check out Locked On Sports Today, the take of the day. It's all available for you. Great game recaps, breakdowns, everything you need covering the world of sports is available on Locked On Sports Today, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Spencer, the Pac 12 season has been a race to the finish line, and we're finally here. Gonna be fun to see who comes out on top indeed it is i would like to point out for all the youth fans who can't stand me right now for taking usc that there was one show host of locked on pac 12 this year that said week after week after week after week utah is still a really good football team and i'm not selling my ute stock and here they are in the pac 12 championship game so shout out to utah for letting me take a victory lap there because everybody's been making me lick my wounds on washington because i didn't think they'd be any good this year and they clearly are Hey, there's a reason we keep having you on this podcast, Spencer. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Appreciate you joining us and appreciate all you guys for listening to us. We'll be back on tomorrow with Locked On Utes. The fun crossover with Mark Culkin. Always fun breaking the game down with Mark. So make sure you guys check out Locked On Utes tomorrow and have a great day.